Well, good morning again, everybody. This is a, just such a great day, one of those very special days in the year that we have as a church, and special opportunity to welcome guests who have come amongst us this morning as well. And we, as we speak about this great hope, this great message. So, I want you to think of this as an invitation this morning. I want you to think about the fact that uh, you've got an You've been invited. Uh, Think about it this way. God, the creator, has invited you to share his indestructible life, his unconquerable hope and his glorious inheritance. Just take a moment to let those phrases sink into you, please. God's invited you to share his indestructible life. Who'd like an indestructible life? I think you're probably all hands go up. Unconquerable hope. God has a hope that's unconquerable. He's never lost hope. Uh, and he has a glorious inheritance that uh, n- never diminishes. It, it never loses its value. It just continues to grow and increase. And these are the things that we have all been invited into. Now, you might have come this morning and because, because you accepted someone else's invitation to be here and you kind of didn't realize that it was actually an invitation from God himself. And I want to say it's much more important than you might realize, even people who are watching on the web stream as well. One of the things that I've realized about my, my relationship with God and the more I understand and know who God is, that God is sometimes spectacular. He's sometimes spectacular, but most often he reveals himself in humility and ordinariness. And we often miss him and what he's doing because it looks so ordinary. This invitation... God's actually issued to all of humanity. I'll encapsulate the invitation by saying it like this. As well, this invitation to share God's indestructible life, his unconquerable hope and his glorious inheritance is that thing of where we cease our hostility, rebellion and indifference to God and submit to his eternal son, Jesus, and give him complete control of our lives. So let's say that again. It's, it's God's inviting each of us to cease our hostility. Because some people are openly hostile to God. Uh, our rebellion, which means, God, I'll just do what I want to do. I don't care what you want me to do. And sometimes our rebellion is expressed very actively like that. But sometimes it's passively, just simmers under the surface. Outwardly, we kind of go through some motions, but inwardly, there's a rebellion that is still sitting in our hearts, and God invites us to cease our indifference to Him. Because we, many people live as if God doesn't really matter, they're indifferent to Him. I don't need God. So God invites us to cease from our hostility, rebellion and indifference to him and submit to his eternal son, Jesus Christ, and to give Jesus Christ complete control of our lives. Now, when we do that, God promises that we then share in his indestructible life, his unconquerable hope and his glorious inheritance. I want to suggest to all of us, Again, some of you who are hearing this message for the first time, some who are hearing this information again, 
that an invitation of this magnitude of the, from the creator of the universe desires a response. It requires a response. This is an invitation from God to you to cease your hostility, rebellion and indifference to him and submit to his eternal son Jesus and give him complete control of your life. God's demonstrated his wholehearted commitment to this promise through the death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus. So the question for us all this morning is, how will we respond to God's gracious and generous invitation? That's, it's as simple as that. Now, relative to God's calendar, we're almost at the end of a seven-day biblical festival of shelters. There are seven uh, biblical festivals in each calendar year. And we've used this phrase in New Life Church to capture what they're all about. And those of you, just say it with me. Ready? God's rehearsals for God's people to participate in God's story, centered on God's son, restoring God's creation for God's glory. Now, that's what, we are, that's what we've been doing. It's these rehearsals. We participate. We remember. Now, a couple of things about rehearsals. Uh, you know, we, we had some fairly major events globally this year, didn't we? That required people to rehearse. Think back, there was, there, was, there was some sort of activity that went on in Tokyo just a few months ago. A couple of opening, closing ceremonies, a couple of events that people participated in. And we know that all of those people, regardless of whatever they were doing, were rehearsing. Even the people who were uh, like the ushers and the greeters were rehearsing what, how they were going to facilitate their role. So it's that rehearsal. Now, the Biblical Festival of Shelters also points us to this reality of God with us. And it, point, it begins by, first of all, pointing us all the way back. That backwards is my left in history to the dawn of creation. And God is with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God is with them. But it also, there's an incident that happens in the Garden of Eden which things go pear-shaped. But it also reminds us that God never abandoned the world and he journeyed with the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob as they went from slavery in Egypt to the promised land of Israel. It speaks to us, this biblical festivals of shelters, that Jesus is the one who's called Emmanuel. His name means God with us. But it also points us forward to that future time when Jesus is back, ruling the earth, ruling the whole world from Jerusalem. Uh, I need to tell you about a book, highly recommend it. If you want to actually unpack much more of the details of this, written by a friend of New Life Church, Joel Richardson, he wrote this book. Uh, I don't know whether he titled it this or the publisher. I don't know who had the final word, but uh, on that thing, it's, the book is called When a Jew Rules the World. I think it's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. I wouldn't want anyone else ruling the world besides Jesus. So it points us at, and then ultimately to that time when the new Jerusalem descends from heaven and God himself, God the Father, is physically present on the earth. Now, right there, some of you are thinking, hang on, isn't Jesus God? Well, yes, he is. There's a whole father-son thing going on there. It's too detailed to go into this morning. Jesus comes first. 
restores all of creation, then the new Jerusalem comes down and all of those things happen. So Paul's letter to the Christians living in the city of Ephesus, uh, he, he wrote this brilliant little summary about how this is all going to unfold. And this is what he said. At the right time, God will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. You see, there's a time at the right time. He's going to do this. Everything in heaven and on earth, the entire cosmos is going to be brought under the authority of Jesus. You see, this is a great hope that we have because history's not sort of some endless cycle. It's, it's got a definite point it's moving towards. God's moving all of history towards his eternal plan to bring everything in heaven and on earth under Christ. It's a great and glorious hope that we have. When Jesus is ruling the heavens and the earth from Jerusalem, he's going to restore God's creation, which has been damaged by our disobedience and the disobedience and the rebellion of all of humanity down through the ages. Everything's going to change from being dysfunctional to functional. God's original creation will be recreated and made new. I want to say a very clear thing here. You might hear phrases in the media like such and such is an existential crisis threatening the very existence of humanity on the planet Earth. You can fill in the blank about what that existential crisis is. I want to say humans will not have the last word. Humans don't have the last word. We are created. We are not the creator, we're creator. And the creator is moving all of history towards his appointed end. Now, there's going to be some bumpy stuff that happens on the road, but we are not in control of what happens on this planet. That is in God's domain. Now, there's some glimpses, glorious glimpses we've got of what this renewed heavens and renewed earth is going to look like. Let me give you two from the prophet Isaiah. When Jesus is ruling from Jerusalem, the word of the Lord was going to go out from Jerusalem. And the Lord will mediate between nations and will settle international disputes. They will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And nation will no longer fight against nation, nor train for war anymore. Another one in, from Isaiah. He speaks and he's looking and he's saying, look, God's speaking through Isaiah. Look, I'm creating new heavens and a new earth. And no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Now, when it says the new heavens and the new earth, it's talking about a recreated heavens and earth. And it says, be glad. Rejoice forever in my creation. Isn't that a great thing? Looking for this recreated heavens and earth and to rejoice forever in my creation. God's going to create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. God will rejoice over Jerusalem and delight in his people. And here we come again to this thing that occurs over and over through the scriptures. And the sound of weeping and crying will be heard no more. Won't be heard in this city. Won't be heard in the villages in Myanmar. Won't be heard in the villages in Afghanistan. No longer will babies die when only a few days old. No longer will babies die in the womb. No longer will adults die before they've lived a full life. 
This is the picture that we're given in Scripture. It should fill our hearts with hope this morning and it's that invitation that's come to enter into this life. So when everything is under the authority of Jesus, he's going to settle international disputes. There'll be no more weapons or training for war. No weapons will be remade for gardening and harvesting food. It's a great picture, isn't it? There are just... I, I would have no clue, really, the number, but I know there's trillions and trillions of dollars of weapons existing in the world today. More are being made and manufactured, but we're pointing to a day when those weapons are remade as gardening implements, as harvesting, as farming implements. It's a, it's a picture of peace. It's a great and glorious peace. No one cries or weeps. No babies die in the womb or as infants. And every adult lives a really full life. Another one of these glimpses we see is in the prophet Zechariah and says, when, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. The Lord will be king over all the earth. And on that day there will be one Lord and his name alone will be worshipped. One Lord and his name alone will be worshipped. If you're thinking, well, does it matter which God we worship? Well, the Bible's really clear on this. There is one God and he alone is the one worthy of worship. One Lord, his name alone will be worshipped. And it goes on that says that actually there's coming a time, Zechariah was looking to the looking in his vision and seeing that there's a time coming when, when this one Lord is ruling and being worshipped from all over the earth and every year people will stream up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of Heaven's armies and to celebrate the Festival of Shelters. So you can have a booking right now. You're wondering when international travel is going to go, open up again? Well, there's a day coming when we will want to stream up to Jerusalem for this time of year for the Festival of Shelters to see Jesus face to face in Jerusalem, to worship him there, to enjoy all that's going on there. He's going to be king over the whole earth. He's the only one that's going to be worshipped and we'll all be celebrating the Festival of Shelters. And then there's this final one that was read to us earlier this morning from uh, the Apostle John's revelation of Jesus in chapter 21. And I won't read it all again, but it's about the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for a husband and a shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people and he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. Some of you in this room, you carry grief sorrow and pain in your hearts and if you think about if you like extrapolate that out on a global scale if you if you pull that out to those those children that we're sponsoring amongst the Karen people if you to all the people that are trying to leave war-torn countries to make it to a safe country all around the world, there's a cry going up. They're long, people are crying out. They were longing, longing for this to happen. There's a day that's promised where God wipes away every tear from people's eyes. There's no more death. 
No more sorrow, no more crying or pain. It's this wonderful picture that we're looking for. And it begins by saying yes to this invitation that we've received from God. That God the creator has invited us to share his indestructible life, that unconquerable hope and glorious inheritance. And so the question for us is will we accept his invitation? Because the thing we need to factor in is, uh, is things like this. Okay, for example, you take the issue of justice, for example, right now, prevalent, massive cry going up globally, isn't there, for justice, right? We want justice, we want justice, we want justice, okay. The promise in the scriptures is the day is coming when there will be pure justice without the creation of any new injustices. That's a wonderful promise that we live with. But that promise comes with this reality that at the same time, we get God. So what we need to think about is, if I want to live in a world without, ju- without injustice, if I want to live in a world without poverty, if I want to live in a world without pain and suffering, child exploitation, all these things, addictions and wars, and if I want to live in a world where promise that world, but that world comes with the worship of Jesus at the center of it. So the question for us all is, do I want Jesus? Because I don't get that better world if I don't want Jesus. So if I, to say yes, to accept God's gracious invitation, I bowed down in complete surrender to God's appointed king, King Jesus. I surrender control of my life to him completely. I don't hold anything back because I look at the cross and I say, Jesus, you gave everything for me. You were willing to hang naked on a cross between heaven and earth to redeem me from my sin, to wipe away my rebellion against God. You're willing, Jesus. You gave all for me. I will not hold anything back. I will give all I am and have to you. That's my response. That's the only response that's acceptable. When the creator of heaven and earth is willingly humbling himself and being humiliated and hanging naked on a cross to go, well, I'll give you Sunday, Jesus, but I'll have Monday to Saturday. It doesn't work like that. It can't work like that. So I give him everything. I wake up every day and I say something like, good morning, Jesus. I'm so thankful for what you did for me. And today I give my life afresh to you. Help me to fulfill all of your good purposes. Form your character in me. Shape me and help me to love as you loved. That's, that's to accept. But the Bible is also clear about what happens if I, if I say no to God's invitation. If I reject that invitation to share in his life. And, and I want to say we have to think this through. What we're saying no to. We've really got to think it through. We can't be in, we can't just be blase about this. This is not some like, does it really matter issue? It really matters. If I reject his invitation from the, the invitation from the creator of life, who's invited me to share his indestructible life, his unconquerable hope and his glorious inheritance, 
And I want to turn that invitation down. Really? Do I really want to turn that down? Do I really want to say, no, God, you can keep the new heavens and the new earth. You can keep the recreation of all everything that exists. You can keep all the glory and the beauty. I'm not interested in a world without pain or sorrow or suffering. I'm going to, I'm going to actually try to do that without you. I want that kind of world and people are doing this. I want that world and I'm, and I'm going to make it like that, even if I have to kill a bunch of people and I'll make it happen. We're going to have a world without injustice. We're going to do it without the king, without King Jesus. Many in our world are saying that kind of thing. Many in our world are actually working towards that end. You think about this. If I say, God, I don't want you. I don't want you now or at any time in the future. How does God respond? God responds like this. God says, I gave you capacity to choose and I honor your choice. And if you want to have a world where I am not, that is exactly what you will have for all eternity. You'll have a world that's a not God world for all eternity. You'll have a barren existence without life, love, joy or hope. And you'll have that forever. I will honor your choice. That's what God says to us. Now, that's a really stark reality, isn't it? Doesn't that kind of shock you a little bit to think about that? Like, I'm saying no to God now and God's going to actually let me have that choice for all eternity. He's going to honor my choice to say, I don't want to live in a world where God is king. I don't want to live in a world where Jesus is worshipped. I don't want to live in that world. And God is going to graciously give us what we have chosen. Here's some things, again, that the Bible says about this, how it describes it. In Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 to 15, it speaks of a time when we will all stand before God's throne. And there will be no place to hide. And there'll be books that are opened. And everyone, great and small, will be standing before God's throne. And everyone will be judged according to what they've done as recorded in the books. And there's one particular book that's called the Book of Life. There's another place in Revelation where it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. And all who have given themselves completely to Jesus and are worshipping him, their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life because they're the ones singing the songs that we sang earlier, saying, you alone are worthy, Jesus. I've surrendered in obedience to you. I've responded to your invitation. And I've bowed in worship before you. And then as we stand on this place before God's throne, It's a place of compassion and mercy where these books are open. Don't ever think of this as a harsh place. Don't make God to be some angry despot that you have to please. God has always been gracious and loving and kind. 
It's just that we have a misformed idea of how good we are. It is not like that. We are corrupt at the core, the Bible says. We do not desire God at all. And so as we stand before him and there's no place to hide, it'll be a really sobering moment for people that have said, God, I don't want you. Because they will recognize they're about to receive what they've chosen for all eternity. And some of the phrases the Bible uses is weeping and the gnashing of teeth. And it's like, it's that thing about, oh my goodness, I have made the most horrendous mistake anyone could ever make. And now it's too late to do anything about it. It's too late to change because right now my name is not in the Lamb's book of life. Right now, I've got nowhere to hide. I've got no one I can point the finger at and say, well, because of that and because of this, and you don't understand God. None of, because right, our brains will be computing that none of that matters. There's nowhere to hide. And the Bible says that those whose names were not found recorded in the book of life were thrown into the lake of fire. The book of Hebrews gives us a very similar warning. It says there is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that consumes God's enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses, it's a comparative statement here, anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. And now here's a comparison. So if that was the case with the law of Moses, just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy, which is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, have treated that as if it was common and didn't matter. They've insulted and disdained God's mercy. See, rejecting God's invitation leaves us standing with God's enemies, which is not a place any of us should really desire and probably you don't desire maybe this is the first time you've realized that the consequence of that choice is that because God's enemies receive God's judgment and the raging fire that consumes so let me come back to this so important question this morning it's a question for children it's a question for teenagers it's a question for adults do you really want to reject God's personal invitation to share his indestructible life, his unconquerable hope and his glorious inheritance. Do you really want to reject that? This is we finishing this morning. Just wrap up with a couple of reminders. We're talking about these festivals and each year as we celebrate them as New Life Church, we, we, they are the, we're rehearsing them, we're gaining more understanding, we're getting better at understanding the story of what God's doing and how we participate in it and how God is restoring his creation for God's glory. They remind us of this future promise that at the right time, God's appointed time, he's going to bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. And so my question 
for us all today is simply this. Will you accept? Will you accept God's invitation to share in his indestructible life, his unconquerable hope and his glorious inheritance? Because that's what's being offered today. And if you want to say yes to that, and you've, we've got people in New Life Church who can help you journey in that and understand what that means to begin to know and love Jesus and obey him in everything. I'm going to invite you to stand and the worship team are coming up and we, there's a prayer that's going to come up on the screen. I'm going to invite all of us to pray this out loud this morning. Some people will be praying it for the first time. I think it's good for us all, to those who are journeying with Christ, there's no harm done. So would you pray this with me? God, thank you for your mercy and kindness to me, despite my hatred, indifference and apathy towards you. Today I accept your gracious invitation to your new creation where everything in heaven and on earth is under the authority of Christ. I bow my knees and surrender full control of my life to King Jesus. I commit to learn to know, love and obey Jesus. Connect me to someone in this church who will help me learn your will and ways. God, I have friends who need to know about your wonderful invitation. Open my mouth to share it and open their hearts to accept your invitation. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time today and you're in this room, I want to encourage you, please don't leave here without coming and speaking to myself or Julie afterwards and sharing that information with us and we'll help you in that journey. If you're viewing online, please send us an email at info at newlifefremantle.com com. We'll get back in touch with you with some information to help you. Let's, enjoy, let's finish our time together. Thank you, Tony.